must have dreamed a thousand dreams Haunted by a million seas But I can hear marching They're moving into the street Did you read the news today? Say the danger's gone away But I can see the lights They're burning into the definitely the land of confusion right now, isn't it? I mean, we don't know if we're coming or going. Everything that we grew up with is being canceled. The newest one is Pepe Lou, the one that would be like mm, 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 kissing the hand of the other skunk. I guess he's too sexually aggressive now. <laughs> I wanted to marry Pepe Le Pew when I was a kid. I was like, that's the type of man I want. Man that kisses my hand and smothers me. Um, I can say today, you know, I've, I've had 40, this is my 43rd birthday. I don't think I can remember a better one. And I'm exact, I'm doing exactly what makes me happy. Just being with you guys seriously makes me happy. I've been doing this for three years, you know, and a lot of people have told me, no one should put so many hours of work in this. It's not good for you, but oh yeah. Okay. People shouldn't work so hard, they say, because it's painful. It's tense. It's this. And, and it's not like the radio shows, right? We're talking the other stuff that I've been doing because I'm not scared of failure. Every failure allows me to grow even more. You guys only know one of the battles of the battles that actually escalated because they were super honed in that I've been fighting for a very long time. And instead of uh, having a port or uh, any help. In, instead, I, I, I was being kicked. I was being mocked. I was being threatened. I was being psychologically maimed, not by one or two people, but we're talking tens of thousands. And this was done in the dark. And there's tens of out there, I'm sure, doing the same thing that we don't hear about. It's painful. It's tense. It's labor intensive. It's draining right? It hurts my, my, it's like I have neural inflammation and you know, I would never recommend it on anything, but it's also how you make change. You know, you, you, you create change because you want, you demand change. You want things to be better. You want to remedy the wrong, especially when you've been sitting on the guy that I find people that stand by and watch someone get beat up worse than the person doing the beating. At least the person doing the beating, you could say their amygdala took over and they're acting crazy or they're just aggressive or they don't know how to use their words. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. But you have to be able to see the impossible is everything's possible. You have to work harder for something you want, especially when the chips are stacked against you. That's the key. You don't have to worry about imploding. You don't have to worry about anything. If something is important to you, if something is that important to you, well, even if the odds are totally against you, you work harder. And what happens is as you work really, really hard, the right people 
get attracted to that if that cause is a good one if your good one if your goal is a good one if what you want is something other people want then everything comes together and it unites and it's fascinating to see it so many people working hard for their states for their communities for their cities i mean you know in um if you think of it from a science perspective right physics has actually answered the questions in how things go down the truths there's a good way to find out if something is a good thing to do or if you should put the effort in and one would say you should always put the effort in but quantum physics right has been created right and studies things that are extremely counterintuitive counterintuitive which means it's trying to find ways to go against the grain and that's application i think that's the kind of strategy you want you want to use quantum mechanics when you're attacking a problem that seems impossible that's basically what you do you use that so it's the most powerful way to gain control of a situation and you just have to buy your time your heart and your soul and why do i say this man oh man oh man i'm going to give you a good thorough insight to what's coming from me um something that i've been working on but i want you to know that evil hides in plain sight fascism has a face it's hidden it, it was it was hidden in a german nazi outfit in the back you know back in the day right it had a german accent it walked you know heil hitler right all that stuff. I mean, that wouldn't happen now, right? Fascism. But if you look at today's world, this land of confusion that we are at, you start to realize that evil's hidden in plain sight. They are evil, diabolical. They seem sweet, convincing. They smile at you. Evil does not wear a mask nor awesome red laser sword to tell you evil right now is in a suit and a tie it is in a suit and a tie remember most psychopaths like bill gates huh, are all well composed aren't they they're well composed they look like nice guys and they're charismatic they're evil completely evil and you can see from their actions so you know Susan getting i thought we could look at how the white house today right the so-called White House decided to put out a presser with um, Miss Circleback. They had a maximum of a thousand people watching it. Peak right now, there's two watches. It's still going. I need you guys to listen to this because this is the land of confusion. The world is on fire. Gas has climbed up to five dollars a gallon, and these people passed a bill, bail out states, and throw Cuomo on the side with a need to. This is disgusting, and what they have to talk about is who you sleep with. That's crazy. If you think about it, it's insane. Here we go. Hi everyone, happy Monday. International Women's Day. We have some special guests. Uh, today on International Women's Day, the president signed two executive orders. The first establishes the White House Gender Policy Council to ensure that the Biden administration advances gender equity and equal rights and opportunity for women and girls. The second directs the Department of Education to review all of its existing regulations, orders, guidance, and policies for 
consistency with the administration's policy to guarantee education free from sexual violence. About these, we're thrilled to have uh, two newly named heirs of the Gender Policy Council, Julissa Reynoso and Jennifer Klein. Julissa is the Chief of Staff to the First Lady. She was the Ambassador of the United States to Uruguay from 2012 to 2014 and served as Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Central American, Caribbean, and Cuban Affairs. In addition to being a co-chair, Jen is the Executive Director of the Gender Policy Council. She was previously Chief Strategy and Policy Officer at Time Up and a board member of the International Center for Research and Women. Both of our guests have very busy days and a hard stop, so I'll be the bad but they're happy to take some questions. So with that, come on up. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Julissa Reynoso. I'm Chief of Staff to Dr. Biden and uh, with Jen Klein, uh, co-chair. All right, good to see you back back. We're gonna talk about vaginas now. We're flying in the Middle East, that's not important. We should talk about sex inequality. Uh, as Senator Sanders described it, the rescue plan is the most significant piece of legislation to benefit working families in the country. The bill will also help us reopen safely, firefighters and other essential workers on the job, and it will give us the tools that we need to crush this virus. Uh, some attention, of course, has been paid on the property, I understand that, but we can't lose sight of what the bill actually means for the American people. $1,400 checks to uh, 105 million Americans, a typical family of four making $100,000 will get $5,600 in checks. Losing 11 million people out of poverty and cutting child poverty in half this year, including through historic expansion of the child tax credit that will benefit 66 million kids across extending unemployment and around 11 million Americans. We would have had a point where people would be losing this week toward the passage of this bill. Tens of billions of dollars in rent homeowners assistance benefit lower income, disproportionately black and brown communities, renters and homeowners. You're telling me that the audio is bad and you try to refresh and tell me whatever you're at. Um, it could just be that. Yeah. Better. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Let's continue. And I'll get in better since world expanding the earned tax credit, uh, to 17 million low income workers and significantly reducing, and this is a, a lot of attention, health insurance premiums for millions of Americans. So a family of four making $90,000 could see their monthly premiums go down by $200 a month. And that's in addition to direct checks they'll be receiving, the child tax credit they'll be receiving, and other components. Uh, we mentioned this on Friday, uh, the to deliver a market on Thursday. I just wanted to give a little bit, put a little more meat on the bones. The president will deliver his first primetime address uh, to commemorate the one-year anniversary of the COVID-19 shutdown on Thursday. He will discuss the many sacrifices the American people have made over the last year and the grave loss communities and families across the country have suffered. The president will look forward highlighting the role of Americans, uh, the, that Americans will play in beating the virus and moving the country toward getting back to normal. Um, with that, uh, I'm going to kick us off. Okay, so everyone's telling me the audio is still skipping. Yeah, I see it. Um, let me see what I can do. Hold on. All right. Is this better, guys? How's this? Better? This should be better. All right. Yeah. It was because I was getting hit by um, Facebook and YouTube. It does that. So I apologize for that. I had to um, refresh because of that. All right, let's go to her questions and answers. Basically, she was talking about the bill they passed and how supposedly amazing it is and how if you have four kids, you're getting $5,600 in checks. But they didn't mention that 
you have to be making absolutely zero dollars to be getting that money. She's not mentioning the fact that um, uh, gas is up, you know, the, the usual stuff. You know how that goes. So um, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting to watch them play the game. Yeah, $4 in Cal. I'll tell you what, um, I had, uh, you, you know, because I don't have a vehicle. I rent the vehicle and I had rented a vehicle. And two weeks ago, I had filled the gas tank from zero, right? With like 25 bucks, like the cheapest unleaded. And I had to go swap it because one of the tires, I think, um, was losing air or something was wrong. And I had to go swap it out at Enterprise. And I went and filled up the tank. Now, keep in mind, it was a little over a quarter of a tank. It cost me $43. I was like, what the heck is going on here? From zero to full, like 20 bucks. It was like $23, if I remember. It's crazy. It was like three something, close to $4. And that's for unleaded. So, you know, this is what happens uh, when you get the establishment back uh, in office. They take your, they don't want you driving around. They don't want you uh, going anywhere. And, you know, they really don't care uh, what, is happening uh, to the people, how it's costing the money. They really don't care. It's it's so bad, so bad. Prices are climbing like crazy. Um, it's really, really bad. All right, so let's listen to her Q&As quickly. Oh, <laughs> you can do it tomorrow. We can extend it. I, I, Just for you. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, will the president's name or signature appear on anywhere on the stimulus, coming stimulus checks? that many Americans will be receiving? This is a very popular question. I will uh, tell you that our focus right now is on getting this bill across the finish line, getting relief out to the American people, which we expect will happen uh, by the end of the month uh, in terms of getting the relief out. Uh, in terms of what the checks will look like, I just don't have an update on that for you. Question. Will the checks that the people get have Joe Biden's signature on it? Remember when we got our checks for uh, COVID, it said Donald J. Trump on it, President Donald J. Trump. Ask yourself, why wouldn't it say President Biden on the check? Are you hearing that? Did you hear that? Why would it not say President Biden on the check. You want to hear it again? Okay, let's hear it again. Some people are like, let's hear it again. All right. Here, let's go to this nice question this guy asked. Let me just move over to him. Here's the question. Receiving? This is a very popular question. I will uh, tell you that the one-year anniversary of the COVID-19 shutdown on Thursday he will discuss the many sacrifices of the, the American people have made over the last year and the grave loss communities and families across the country have suffered. President will look forward highlighting the role of Americans uh, the, um, that Americans will play in beating the virus and moving the country toward getting back to normal. Um, with that, uh, I'm going to kick us off. Great. I, I'm sorry I didn't wear a purple tie today. Oh, <laughs> you can do it tomorrow. We can extend it. I, I, Just for you. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, 
will the president's name or signature appear on anywhere on the stimulus upcoming stimulus that many Americans will be receiving? This is a very popular question. I will uh, tell you that our focus right now is on getting this bill across the finish line, getting relief out to the American people, which we expect will happen uh, by the end of the month. Uh, in terms of getting the relief out. Uh, in terms of what the checks will look like, I just don't have an update on that for you today. And yesterday, um, uh, Senator Manchin um, said that, like uh, President Biden, he believes uh, the filibuster should uh, continue, but there should be more pain uh, in, in if, you, if you want to utilize it. More does, does President Biden agree that there, that there needs to be tweaks and how the filibuster is utilized? Uh, well, I'll first say the president's preference is not to get rid of the filibuster. Uh, look at what we've been able to accomplish in the last six weeks. Uh, we're about to, he's on the verge of passing a historic relief bill that's going to cut child poverty in half and create 7 million jobs. We'll have enough vaccines for all Americans by May. 13 cabinet nominees have been confirmed. We rejoined the Paris Climate Agreement. We ended the discriminatory Muslim ban. Uh, he's met with members on both sides of the aisle in the Oval, and he wants to continue to work on a bipartisan basis. Uh, and we believe uh, there are opportunities to do exactly that. And infrastructure, I believe that's an area I think Senator Manchin touched on yesterday during one of his interviews. It's a, it's a policy area that's close to the president's heart, one he's had a lot of interest in and commitment to, uh, even to when he was vice president and before. There's been historic bipartisan support for that. Immigration, modernizing our immigration system, historic bipartisan support for efforts uh, moving forward. The president is an optimist by nature. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't be in this job. And he believes that there is opportunity to work with Democrats and Republicans to get work done for the American people. Go ahead. Um, I know the president and first lady have struck up friendship with Barry. Uh, I was wondering if they caught any of the interview yesterday. Um, and if they had any reaction to what um, the couple has gone through uh, in regards particularly with what they felt in terms of the racism that they, that they felt. Well, let me first say that um, obviously many of us caught the interview. Uh, I don't have uh, I don't have as many Americans did and many people around the world. Um, you know, Meghan Markle, Markle uh, is a private citizen and so is Harry uh, at this point. Um, for anyone to come forward and speak about their own struggles with mental health and tell their own personal story, that takes courage. That's certainly something the president believes. And he's talked about the importance of, um, you know, uh, investing in a lot of these uh, areas that they're committed to in the future as well. Uh, we aren't going to provide additional commentary from here on behalf of the president or others, uh, given these are private citizens uh, sharing their own story and their own struggles. Um, and let me just reiterate that we have a strong and abiding relationship with the British people and a special partnership with the government of the United Kingdom on a range of issues, and that will continue. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> okay, that's all we needed to see, and we'll leave it at that for now. That was very interesting, wasn't it? It's quite interesting. Will his name be on the checks? Nah, that's a very popular question. We'll see. We're doing all of these things. We banned this. We did this. We got 13 cabinet members. Hold your horses because Tory's coming full speed ahead. All they got was that WAPO thing. And that, all of that is almost gone too. So I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm so ready. I hope everybody else is ready. I am so freaking ready. I want to show you. But before we do this, before, before we do it, um, I want you to see this clip about 
Reopening America with or without Democrats. That's how it's titled. And, you know, these people need COVID. They need uh, the pandemic to survive. They need people locked in their houses. They need people to need them. Because when people don't need them, well, then, then, then the people that you don't expect to say anything speak. But many states are saying enough lockdowns. Arizona and West Virginia joining other states in reopening today. In red Arizona, Governor Doug Ducey removing occupancy limitations for restaurants, gyms, theaters, water parks, bowling alleys, even bars that serve food. Also, K-12 students are going back to school by the middle of the month. Ducey tweeting out today, like the rest of the country, Arizona has made its way out of the winter surge of cases. And we are leading the nation in the vaccination rollout. Our mitigation strategies have been targeted and data-driven. There you go. Another red state, West Virginia, as of midnight tonight, just a couple hours, restaurants and bars can now use 100% of their seating capacity. Here's their governor, Jim Justice. From the standpoint of our small businesses and retail stores, we're lifting the capacity limitation there. I am also increasing the capacity limit for other businesses that still have capacity restrictions like gyms, fitness centers, museums. They can go to 100% as well. As far as our little fellows and girls that are playing travel sports and everything, I am also lessening the restrictions on all youth sports. There you go. But the boldest move by far has been in the very blue state of Connecticut, a state containing some of the wealthier New York City suburbs in the southwest corner, a state Joe Biden won by 20 points, opening up. That's a move. Today, Democrat Governor Ned Lamont of Connecticut had to argue his position with a CNN host who clearly thinks he's making the wrong choice. All of our schools now are open, most of them for a full-time, uh, five-day-a-week activity. Our restaurants and uh, retail have been open at 50%. And given the fact that we have um, so many of our people, well over 20% have been vaccinated, the vast majority of whom are over 55, where um, you're most likely to um, suffer complications, our hospitalization is down. So we thought this is something we know we can do safely. We know it works. Lamont being the first liberal to join the common sense crowd. He could pave the way for other blue states to follow. I hope he does. 11 months ago, right after this all began, Connecticut joined six other blue northeastern and New England states, forming a COVID-19 reopening task force. New York's Governor Andrew Cuomo led the charge as he was prepping to write a book about how great he is. How naive we all were last April. We still believed this would be a one or two month ordeal, and they were talking about opening up. We've been locked up now for a year. That seven state reopening coalition that they started back last April has been treading water for 11 months now. How depressing is that? And now Connecticut appears to be breaking from that pact. That is a major moment. This could have a big impact on several things. First off, Democrats are about to spend $2 trillion of your money, and they needed Americans to feel like we were still in the grips of this pandemic to justify it. This is why the Biden team and most other Democrats are ignoring all of the good news. Cases and deaths are dropping fast. Johnson & Johnson's single-dose vaccine expected to be a game changer, and it's already going into arms. The country added 379,000 jobs in February. That's a good number. All good stuff the Democrats don't want you to hear. 
And Ned Lamont of Connecticut is not holding the party line. The official directive, of course, is doom and gloom. But Lamont is putting his state over his party. We'll see if any other blue state governors are as brave. So far, the Biden administration hasn't attacked Connecticut the way they did with Texas and Mississippi earlier this week. I think it's a big mistake. And the last thing, the last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. It's funny to watch the president pretend to be concerned about COVID while cheering on the biggest super spreader event this country has ever seen happening right now on our southern border. Texas Governor Greg Abbott certainly has noticed. The Biden administration has been releasing immigrants in South Texas that have been exposing Texans to COVID. Some of those people have been put on buses, taking that COVID to other states in the United States. We're going to have much more on that later on in the show. In the meantime, Dr. Doom, Tony Fauci says we're on the verge of another COVID spike. We are starting to plateau. That plateau is about 60 to 70,000 cases a day. When you have that much of viral activity in a plateau, it almost invariably means that you are at risk for another spike. All right, that's right. Time to shut everything down again. Time to hide. What a con job. 15 days to slow the spread was. Remember all that time ago, almost a year ago now? Remember how everyone complied and was fearing for their life? If we listened to Dr. Fauci, we'd wear masks forever. We'd probably never go into a bar again. I don't think Fauci is a bad person. I just think the only thing that he can see is virus because that's all he really knows. There is absolutely no reason he should be helping to make policy. This country and our lives and this society is much more complicated than just COVID. The liberal response to this virus has been like popping a zit with a shotgun. You don't shut down an entire country for a virus that's only a serious threat to a small subsection of its population. You just don't do that. As Trump said, the cure cannot be worse than the virus itself. In blue states, it absolutely is. In California, which is a COVID disaster for so many reasons, you still can't go into a restaurant, but you'll soon be able to go to Disneyland or a baseball game, it appears. I guess that makes sense, right? I'm sure Disney and the LA Dodgers need that infusion of cash much more than restaurant owners and their staff of waiters. Tonight on Capitol Hill, a marathon session in the Senate, taking a live look right now, debating the COVID relief bill, $1.9 trillion. The upper chamber expected to take dozens of votes on various amendments before a final vote, which is expected sometime tomorrow morning. And they voted and they passed it with a few amendments. But I wanted to show you something, how crazy this um, COVID is. I saw this on Twitter. Obviously, my account's banned, as you can see. Um, but there was a fight, uh, actually employees attacked a patron at a bath and body works for not wearing a mask. Take a look. So two of them got on her and were beating her. The employees did for not wearing a mask. Wait, watch this. Look. It's like a big out brawl. Look at the manager guy come in. Rough handle customers. 
when the employees hit the customer. Look at the way he now handles her again. It's on video. Liberals. I want this woman to file the biggest, fattest lawsuit ever. The Jews used to get beat up for not wearing yellow stars. This is where we're at. This is where we're at. We're letting them lay hands on us because they want us to wear a mask. They could take that mask and put it where the sun don't shine. That was assault. You saw it. The employee hit her first because she refused to wear a mask and said, I'm not leaving. And she said, you better go. And so she hit her. And then another employee jumped in and they both hit her and took her to the ground. It is incredible what they did to that woman. I am not shopping there again ever, ever, ever. And I hope they get sued into oblivion because that was ridiculous. That was disgusting. And, you know, I was looking on Twitter to see if Bath and Body Works even responded um, with my incognito small little, you know, I was like, yo, you know, I would totally, does she have a GoFundMe? Shit. She needs to sue the pants off of them. Like, I've never seen anything like that. Never seen anything like that. It's disgusting. This is how it begins. These are the people you have to worry about, the people that respect their authority. The movie that we watched yesterday, Fappers, there was a WAP, FAP, <laughs> Fappers. Fappers, ideas are dangerous. Ideas are very dangerous to those that seek to change the way you think. Because your thoughts turn into words, your words can turn into actions. And if you think you are free, then you will speak as a free person. And if you speak as a free person, you will act like a free person. So I guess, you know, we've got our new thing, the faps. Those were like the Karens. They would come in and say... You need to snitch on your friend and tell us what their political views are. Fappers. Fappers. It's it's so insane, right? Isn't it? It's pretty insane. The world is going crazy. Crazy, 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 crazy. Super crazy. Here's what else is crazy. Remember how we were talking about a few... Ooh, wait. Let's go to the guy. Wait, we got to see this. The guy who sat in Pelosi's desk, you know, the guy that sat in her desk. I mean, if the police escort you in and you're peaceful, you know, are you really, you know, trashing the place? I want us to hear the interview from his lawyer. He has a lawyer because they arrested the guy, right? Take a listen. January 6th in Nancy Pelosi's office. His name is Richard Barnett. And yeah, he should not have been there, and he's clearly breaking the law. But here's the thing. Mr. Barnett is still in jail. Two months later, he's still sitting in jail? That doesn't seem right. I think we got a picture of his, his mugshot. There he is. 
And uh, I heard there was some sort of outburst in court. He's in jail. Austin Steinbart. All of these people are sitting in jail. Political prisoners. Yes, what he did was wrong. <laughs> but they have him in there because they're like, who took the laptop, dude? Tell us. You saw it, didn't you? Who set you up? Who were you working with? Yeah, you better panic. Want to bring in his attorney. We got Joseph McBride joining us. Uh, Mr. McBride, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? I'm doing well, Greg. How are you today? Terrific. Now, first of all, uh, your client there, Mr. Barnett, I just said it. You probably accept it too. Should not have been in that office. Did something wrong and he probably should pay a price. But I am personally outraged, I'd say, that he's still in jail. That does not seem at all appropriate. There are accused murderers who get bail. Why is he still in jail? He's, the, he's still in jail because of the politics behind his case. Um, Mr. Barnett has lived a law-abiding life for, for 60 years. He's, uh, he's married. He's gainfully employed. He's respected in this community. Um, he has strong community ties. Usually in situations like this, those reasons in, in and of themselves are good enough for somebody to be able to fight a case from the outside. Well, he's got a lot of charges. Let's, put, let's go through them. I uh, can't go through them all because there are like 50 but let's put that slate up, if you don't mind. Uh, this is what he's uh, facing. Obstruction of an official proceeding, aiding and abetting, entering and remaining in a certain room in the Capitol building, disorderly disruptive conduct in a restricted building. It goes on. Parading, demonstrating, picketing in a Capitol building, knowingly, it goes on and on and on. And uh, oh, by the way, I think they want to get him for uh, putting his feet up on Nancy's desk as well. Um, the politics, uh, you say, are keeping him in jail, but... Again, we have we have rules and procedures and laws. What what is their justification and what happened in court the other day? I heard he uh, I heard he got mad. So as to the justification, I, I'm not entirely sure what it is. We don't believe there is a sufficient justification to keep him incarcerated at this time. Regarding the other day, what we have is a situation where COVID nineteen has affected every element of the just, of the justice system. In particular, in our case, Mr. Barnett was not able to be in court in person. The, the defense team was not able to be in court in person. As a result, there's a, a gap in communication. There, there became a point in time in the proceeding where Mr. Barnett wanted to confer with his defense team. Um, he was unable to do it, and due to the frustration of his situation and the technical difficulties, he said, this, this ain't fair. That's it. I see him with his dogs. Looks like a nice guy. He said he was interviewed on January 6th by somebody. This is uh, somewhere on the Capitol grounds, not indoors. Let's take a look. How'd you get it? I didn't steal it. I bled on it because they were facing me and I couldn't see. And so I figured, well, I'm in her office. I got blood in her office. I'll put a quarter on her desk, even though she ain't worth it. Okay, tough stuff. But you know what? I've seen a lot of video. A lot of pictures, and uh, I've not seen a picture of your client breaking anything or hurting anybody. And we've all seen those pictures where there's violence. Did your client break anything or hurt anybody on that day? Absolutely not. Under no set of circumstances did he do any of those things. At the end of the day, this case is going to turn on whether or not they can prove that there was a dangerous instrument. Everybody's talking about the stun gun. That's what the government is using here to blow this case out of proportion. When you look at this stun gun, so to speak, it's really a walking stick stun gun. It has three sort of modes of operation. It can be a walking stick. It can be a flashlight. It can be a stun gun. 
In order for a stun gun to work, it has to be operable, it has to be charged, or it has to have a battery. The stun gun did not work in this case. He showed up with a walking stick to a rally where he knew he was going to be all day, and that is it. There's no evidence of, of the stun gun being weighed, of a walking stick. Okay, so I know a lot of veterans that have the same walking stick that have injuries. It, you know, they use it for defense. You know, you're hindered. You're, you're, you're you know, hobbling about. Um, and it can taste someone if you have it uh, on that operation mode. Now, what he said was is that he took that paper off the desk, but he left a quarter to pay for the envelope <laughs> because he bled or something everywhere or something. Look. Jaden X broke stuff, incited things, brought a knife into, into the Capitol, recorded everything, and he's out and free. And this guy is still sitting in jail. I've said this many, many times before. You're only free on paper. Now, for political prisoners that they hate so much, can you see why I said I got a colonoscopy and it came out crispy, right? Because if there was anything my head would have spun so fast. Instead, they just saw how dumb I was and how oblivious I was to other things going on in my life and kind of left it, waiting for myself to implode when I find out, which was pretty close, I can say. But I want you to see how the justice system works. A guy that was in there Happened to be, oh, he's not a threat. He's not a threat. He's been at three different shootings and recorded all three shootings. He incited violence. He broke things. He even said he had a knife. And he's walking out free. And this guy who didn't break anything was let in by the Capitol Police, sat on her desk like who wouldn't take the opportunity to put their feet on Pelosi's desk, right? If it were you and I, I would probably have done it too. Someone's like, come on in and be like, yep, I'm peaceful. I'm not breaking shit. I'm just going to go in there, put my feet up, and that's it. Obviously, I would have loved to do more, but that would be breaking the law. Sitting there is not, not so bad. I mean, after all, I do pay for that damn chair. So this guy did nothing violent, nothing violent. He was attacked. Do you see the aiding and abetting thing? Yeah. They want to know who took the stuff. Hmm. Listen. The bottom line is this is political prosecution, persecution, witch hunts. And they will stop at nothing as long as we let them get away with this. Like, why is this the only channel that has one of the lawyers? What about all the other people that are there that were just rounded up for simply being there? What about all of you that probably swiped your Bank of America, PayPal, whatever card you used? And they gave all your information to see where you were and how you were. I can guarantee you, guarantee you, they've gone through all my location data, fine tooth comb to place me there. They couldn't because I wasn't. Definitely wasn't. But this is how desperate they are to find the source of the thoughts, to silence voices. To make examples of people, how dare you sit in her chair? How dare you think you can walk in here? How dare you? When did your representative become more important than you? That's a question you should ask yourself. When? And when does the law not apply 
to everyone equally? That's another question. Because all these people that burned cities to the ground are home. And yet this man sits in jail. Austin Steinbart sits in jail. All these people are sitting in jail indefinitely. Hitting anybody? Are they breaking anybody? We are talking about somebody who, who went into a building after he was pushed in. That's it. It's a glorified trespass. Yeah, I want to see that picture at the desk. Uh, if you do zoom in, we may not be able to, but on his belt, there's that object. It's that stun gun slash walking stick you're, uh, you're talking about. Has he told you, by the way, like I have seen footage as well, where the police in certain areas seem to be stepping out of the way, seem to almost be encouraging people to enter the Capitol building. We've seen those videos. How did he get inside? Look, again, this is obviously an active criminal case, so I can talk about what the public knows. Mr. Barnett is a 60-year-old man. He showed up to exercise his First Amendment rights. This is not a, a moral case. You can have your objections about him any way, you, any way you slice it. This is a criminal case. Every element of each crime charge must be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. He was at the front of the line. There are widespread reports of officers opening up doors and essentially letting the floodgates in with no opportunity to retreat, with no opportunity to return. Throngs of people were pushed in, some willingly, some unwillingly. As the case proceeds, we will bring out those facts. We are confident that the facts support um, his innocence, especially with regard to the dangerous weapon and the uh, willful entry on his behalf. Hey, what about bail? I mean, we're, they do let violent criminals out on bail here in New York, you're in New York, it happens all the time. They still have bail in the federal system, don't they? And, and why can't it be arranged here? Sure, what is deeply unfortunate about this situation is that Mr. Barnett was granted bond in a, in a prior district court hearing. Subsequently, in sort of in the middle of the night, his bond was revoked for, for reasons that I don't wanna get into now, but he was taken away in the middle of the night from his family, swept up to D.C., where he still remains to this day. Mr. Barnett is a United States citizen. You don't have to love him. You don't have to like him. But he is entitled to all the constitutional protections that comes with being. Kind of sounds like what I was saying about Austin Steinbart, right? When all these idiots that people follow and pay were happy he got locked up. We're sitting there because he, you know, if he was Q or if he is Q or if he's part of Q, then they make zero dollars. So it didn't matter that he was an American citizen, right? They all wanted him in because they make the paper dollar. That's the problem. That's why I've been saying this is the problem. Everyone. Look, you like him. OK, you don't like him. OK. You think he's straightforward? Okay. You think he's a nutcase? Okay. Nobody cares. What we can all agree on is that he's an American citizen and he has rights. And I've been saying that every single day. I'm not here to tell you what I think about him. I'm not here to tell you anything. I know how I feel about Austin and the story. But when you see people, disgusting people that sit there and talk to you about the United States of America, we're going to MAGA America first, and they're talking shit, on an American citizen whose rights have been stripped, you drop them faster than anything. When someone tells you who they are, believe them.
believe them. You give power to people like Jordan Sather. Who the fuck is he? Who sits and talks and talks and talks about America and freedom. And yet he sits there and revels in the fact that the guy's in jail and his rights have been stripped. It's disgusting. Hopefully, maybe you can see how he feels about the guy who sat on Pelosi's desk and how outraged he is. And maybe he can think, well, 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 I could keep going. I can keep going. I can keep going because I got all his Zooms and chats. I could keep going. Test me, smartass. Test me because he sits there and he talks about this. And he had the cheek to talk about freedom. And he has the cheek to preach. Had the cheek to preach about America and what it stands for. Yet, because he didn't like someone. Yet, because he felt threatened by Steinbart. Yet, because whatever, it was okay that his rights are stripped. That's disgusting. We're all Americans. We're all Americans, and we should all stand by every single American, even if you don't like them. I don't like libtards. I don't like mask Nazis. I don't like it that people are just going to get vaccines and trying to force it upon other people. I don't. And sometimes I'm like, go get the vaccine. Let's see what happens. And then I'm like, God, forgive me. I'm having really bad thoughts. And I'm like, just go ahead. It'll help the world because you'll be gone. And it's like, nope, shouldn't be thinking like that because they're just, they just don't know. They're ignorant. You know, but at the end of the day, we should all 100% back every single American citizen's right. You know, if Jaden X was in jail and was not afforded bond and was swept up and locked up, even though that guy incited it, even though he was in there with a knife, even though he still do a fair trial. Bottom line, bottom line is that people tell you exactly who they are. And when they tell you, you need to start listening because many of you are following people that are disgusting to the core, that are hypocrites, that are telling you to fight for America, but none of them will stand with people they don't like. We're supposed to be standing for every single person, for every single person's rights. You like them or not. That's what it means to be in America. I don't like you, but you're afforded a fair trial because that's the way it is. I don't like you, but you have rights. And they should be adhered to. And, 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 and no matter what, that's the law. Because when I would come out and I'd be like, he violated my rights. People would be like, good for you. You're just a MAGA Trumpster. And it's like, but my rights were violated. Like they were checking my bank accounts. My every record they could get their hands on, they looked at. That's against the law. That's unconstitutional. Well, maybe you did something wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. Even if I did, I still have rights. But because they didn't like me, they didn't like me saying you you put $200 million of debt on a whole fucking city. They didn't like that. They didn't like me outing their little guys that are paying them payoffs. They didn't like me pointing out their networks. They didn't like me doing all this. So everybody jumped in and said, you don't deserve rights because I said so. Think again. Those people you follow exactly where they sit. Now, it's different if they come out and say, you know what? 
I was wrong. It's just because I was blinded with hate that I said that. And no one should be treated like that. I apologize. Redemption's always great. And I hope people take note. That's just one name. And I could start posting Zooms and chats if you like me to. Because I could fucking do that. Because I'm tired of this bullshit that I keep seeing everywhere. You can't say one thing and preach one thing. And act as another. It's not right. It's not right. I've been kind to keep my cards close on that. I've been kind. I've been kind. I'm not talking about people talking, you know, uh, repeating things and putting content together. You know, they put good content together. People do. You know, they repost. They got better voices. They got better tech. They have, they do other stuff, whatever. But when people are preaching about what it is to be an American and how America is this and how America is that, but then they revel and they, and they, and they laugh. <laughs> if you see some of these texts, you would be so pissed. You would be so pissed. If you see some of these calls they've had, remember, surveillance goes both ways. Some of these calls they've had, where they talk like that, I mean, this, you know, my gift on my birthday to clowns and self-made clowns, right, is find your redemption, put it out there and admit when you're wrong. Put it out there when you've been a hypocrite. People are more kind. They might hate you for a second, but they'll honor you for your honesty, because it's, it's, it's not good. It's not good. So, I mean, you've got an opportunity. Uh, I guess, you know, just what, like three weeks until then, right? Because if that happens, I'm telling you, it's all going on the looking glass page. It'll be like fake MAGA page, everybody. Everybody. All your personal texts and the shit you talk about people. Bottom line. And this isn't a threat. This is a olive branch because I'm tired of seeing this. I'm tired of seeing people talking about this. Not talking about Austin Steinbart or other people they don't like. I don't like him, so he should sit in jail. Being a United States citizen. He is not an enemy combatant. He shouldn't be treated as one. Yeah. It's been two months. And uh, clearly he was trespassing. Clearly he's going to be doing some time. But this is ridiculous. This is not Russia. And uh, I don't like it. So good luck uh, to you, sir, and to your client. There, I said it. I don't want him in jail anymore. Uh, maybe I'll have to go back someday, but this is ridiculous. Thank you, Mr. McBride. All the best. All the best to you too, Greg. Take care. We'll be right back. And thank you, Greg, for bringing it up. Thank you, Greg, for bringing it up. I mean, how many people have brought that up? Rights are being violated left and right, and nobody's talking. People are just looking the other way. How are you the underdog? We're supposed to be together. They preach where we go one, we go all. Where the hell are you when that one is down and out of constitutional rights? Where are you? Oh, I'm sorry. Crickets. Crickets. Speaking of a few proofs here.
2018, I told you that Turkey's got Al Qaeda backed militant groups, right? Everyone's like, yeah, 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 proof. Yeah. <laughs> scrub, scrub, scrub a dub dub. But lo and behold, how now the news are reporting about Al Qaeda backed groups from Turkey. Wait, wait a minute. Did they skip over the part that there are Al Qaeda backed groups in Turkey? A Turkish charity group linked to global terrorist outfit Al-Qaeda is under uh, the scanner of Indian intelligence agencies. I wrote an article like that. My article was scrubbed. Do you guys remember the school? Because I talked about this, 2018, 2019. Told you how important these schools are through the Turkish charity. So according to a report by a Swedish group, Nordic Monitor, ISN is allegedly providing sanctuary to terrorists near Nepal's border with India. Didn't I tell you that the terrorist activity is going to come up by the Chinese border where Pakistan is? So now we have them coming in in India, breaching up and setting up shop. Why? Islami Sang Nepal is the IHH's regional partner in South Asia. So remember the school in New Jersey that's made up of all these foreign intelligence assets. Yeah. So that's what's up. Here's some more. You know, the Uyghurs, you know, that Joe Biden is like, oh, it's cultural for the Chinese to just kill them, leave them alone. Right? Well, Turkey's abandoned Uyghurs. Here's this. Ever heard of that? That's pretty interesting. So let me mute him. So Erdogan has abandoned the Uyghurs. As Ankara grows more economically dependent on Beijing, the Turkish government is no longer offering a safe haven or defending uh, Uyghur rights. Hmm. Hmm. Guess, um, hmm. Guess, you know, these people should just be killed. I mean, they should have no rights, right? Because China said so. China said so, so no rights. Land of confusion. So confused. Confused about who has rights. Confused about what's wrong or right. Confused about everything. Man, it's time to disappoint a lot of clowns. Now, let's take a coffee break right quick. I must have dreamed a thousand dreams Been haunted by a million screams But I can hear the marching feet Moving into the street 
Now did you read the news today? They say the danger's gone away But I can see the fire still alive How awesome is that Danny Hamilton, right? He is awesome, right? Totally love it. So let me get you well-versed on something that's going to be coming into focus. Well, it's going to be talked about this month, but it's really coming into focus. Raining down on the Biden administration. So I need you guys well-versed on this. So you know what the great thing is? Is that the left has done most of the work for us. And I'll show you how. See, what is the, the rule of thumb? No one's ever going to excuse you. They see in you what they see in themselves usually, right? Isn't that the way it is? So they see something. So when you meet someone for the first time, they either like you or hate you. So they'll hate you if they see what they cannot be, but they'll like you if they see something within you. Now, this is general rule of thumb, doesn't always apply because you could like someone because you want to aspire to be like them or because you actually genuinely vibe with them. Uh, but, you know, when someone, it's like cheaters, right? If you're a cheater, you're going to think everybody else is cheating, right? That's, that's basically what I was trying to say. Not so well put words. It's because I'm really pissed. Pissed that people are talking about this guy being in jail no one talked about Austin Steinbart. Hypocrites. So complying with the United States Constitution. Hold on. Um, complying with the United States Constitution is not an optional exercise, but a requirement for serving as our nation's president. <laughs> president Trump's businesses violate the Constitution's anti-corruption provisions. Pay attention. And now we have seen, both with the emoluments violations, violations of the anti-corruption provisions of the Constitution, where the president is treating the Oval Office as a profit-making enterprise. He cannot accept foreign government cash. Uh oh. Constitution envisions that the House of Representatives would enforce the emoluments clause and other provisions of the Constitution. But the potential for corruption only grows with the increase of power accepting funds from foreign governments through his businesses without congressional consent. That is a violation of the Emoluments Clause. <laughs> they just wrote my opening. These papers are just some of the many documents that I've signed, turning over complete and total control to my sons. When reporters asked to examine the folders, transition staffers blocked them. From photos, the folders appear to be brand new and completely unmarked. His team later told us they were visual aids. They said they were going to track the money and donate it back to the Treasury, who have not specifically identified themselves as being a representative of a foreign government. They're entity. putting the onus on the foreigners to identify themselves, not on themselves. Exactly. Tax well, obviously and defend the Constitution of the United States. And yes, he will. Time for Congress to finally do an investigation. Wait a minute. Like I said, these fuckers just wrote my intro. You see what I'm saying? I've been working on this. Oh, man. Oh, man. See, uh, again, like a cheater sees cheaters everywhere. This is where it's coming to. Now, I gave you, I told you a while back, and we don't need to repeat it. 
because we could keep it as such, right? But I told you what's coming. Let's look at some more. They had some really good in-depth stuff. They gave me everything I needed. I didn't need anything except for a lawyer. And guess what? I found one. And guess what? My GoFundMe, my, the GoFundMe that you guys did for me, aside from getting me my dream vehicle, is going to pay for this. I can't wait. I can't wait because I've been writing this and writing this and writing this for so long because I knew what was coming. And I, I remember when I, when I, um, my daughter actually asked me in November, Hey mom, aren't you like looking into that? Why would you go ahead and do that? And, and you'll know what I'm talking about. And I said, because she could see the, 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 the logos and the things that I'm, I'm doing. I don't involve her in the thing. She's got her own stuff to worry about, um, you know, and studies. But I remember telling her, it's okay. You know, maybe I'll have like an epiphany and I'll write like, like, you know, I'm Johnny Cochran <laughs> defending the biggest sleaze back. I'll be like the best. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, how am I, you know, how am I going to, I can't believe that we can actually get this done like right now. Um, so the lawyer got back to me today and um, he was like, send me, you know, oh gosh, guys, I just, I can't tell you, I'm going to show you. I want you to listen to it, how much homework they did for me and how I've been translating this. Guys, this is going to be so amazing because they did this, they set it up, they fixed it. And it's going to be so much fun to watch them drown in the own shit that they stirred for our nation. They put us through so much. They put us through so much of these witch hunts. It's time now. It's time to show the world who they really are. And this is where it comes down to it. Because I'm telling you, I'm going to show the world their words. And I'm going to cite them as well. Well, this week, Vice President Mike Pence spent two nights at one of President Donald Trump's golf resorts in Dunebeg, Ireland. Pence's chief of staff said that he thought the stay was at the president's suggestion. Then Trump denied having any part in the decision. But this is rekindling a long-time debate about whether Trump is violating the Constitution's emoluments clauses. In this case, taxpayers were footing the bill for Pence staying at Trump's hotel, even though it was more than an hour flight from Dublin, where the VP had his meetings. And so, of course, it makes sense for us to bring in Danny Savalas with the legal perspective. Danny, what does the Constitution say? And it almost seems silly that we're talking about how hell stays in relation to the Constitution, but what does the Constitution say about this? The framers of the Constitution were almost obsessed with the notion of corruption. They wanted to avoid it at all costs. Look no further than mm -hmm. the impeachment clause, mm -hmm. that the two mentioned exemplary impeachable offenses are not murder, they're not crimes of violence, they're not even really crimes of theft. They are crimes of corruption, treason, and bribery. And so, too, was this was the reason they put in the emoluments clauses. Right. And there are two. There's a foreign and a domestic emoluments clause. Basically, the foreign emoluments clause. What if I told you that I got both? I got both. Remember, I have Biden's laptop. I got both. 
was is about the president not receiving any benefits from any foreign country in addition to his salary. The domestic emoluments clause is similar. The president has a salary. He shouldn't receive any gifts or any additional payments from either the individual states mm -hmm. or the federal government. Now, in this case, in Ireland, mm -hmm. it seems at first blush to be a foreign uh, emoluments clause issue. But in fact, it's closer to a domestic emoluments clause issue because okay. the payment for Pence is not coming from a foreign government. Right. It's coming from the federal government. And everything, you know, there's already plenty of litigation going on about the emoluments clause in different federal courts around the country. The issue is still unsettled. It, it's amazing to think most of us didn't even know what an emolument was yeah. two or three years ago because it's an outdated, antiquated word. Now it's being heavily litigated and much will turn on how in the modern era we define what an emolument is. An expansive view is that if President Trump receives any benefit, even with his hotel in between, then he's violated the emoluments clause. That is an emolument. On the other hand, mm -hmm. a restrictive view is that an emolument is only for personal services personally rendered. So if, and it's a ridiculous example, President Trump was at the hotel in Ireland uh, doing uh, bed service or bringing up room service or turning down the sheets, that would be something he was being paid for uh, if he was paid okay. directly. So Pence's defense here, let's go through that and would it hold up in, in court, for example? I know that that would unlikely uh, happen, but if this were to go to court, would his defense here, would it hold? Well, the key to the emoluments clause is arguing that emoluments don't happen, or at least in such a way that the Constitution is violated when a hotel is paid that a president happens to own. Maybe you make an analogy that if Jimmy Carter, who arguably divested, so it's a different situation, right. he had a peanut farm, and if mm -hmm. you paid money, if the federal government paid money to that peanut farm, and somewhere it trickled down to Jimmy Carter, then that doesn't count as an emolument. But it really hinges on how you define an emolument. And academics on both sides disagree on this issue. Another okay. major argument in the emoluments world is whether or not there's even standing. There may be this emoluments clause in the Constitution, but does it even have a remedy? Can any of us even bring suit to enforce it? Danny, it's fascinating stuff. Uh, thank you so much for explaining emoluments. As I know she didn't understand shit. Okay, so let me explain to you. If a president, and we're not talking about what he did before, and we're not talking about what his son did before, we're not talking about things from before. We're talking about the now. He's president now. He's president right now. And um, he's doing it right now. He, the Biden-Harris administration, is doing it right now foreign and domestic they're even creating policies and laws to help them make money that's what's up and everybody missed it you know i'll tell you what 2019 october 2019 my daughter's birthday she she was very unhappy i i know now in retrospect but um she was crying one day she was very sad it was on her birthday, and I said, hey, you know what? Next year this time, we're going to be in Washington, D.C., and we're going to have Thanksgiving with the president. <laughs> right? So she looked at me, and she was like, I don't know how you even say these things, Mom. Almost we were in D.C., and we did have Thanksgiving dinner courtesy of the people because we were locked in our um, – 
uh, we were steadily taken to uh, secure um, with security. And the people got us Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> and it was awesome with a really, really nice um, ex-Navy SEAL uh, that was with us. So, um, you know, when we were there in November and I told her, you know, she was like, so you think that he's going to, I was like, he's not president, but just, just stop. She's like, well, why don't you can't, you got to leave it. Cause if you push too much, you push a timeline, you have to be careful, you prepare. And she saw what I was working on and she said, well, why did you go see that company? Why did you work, do something with them, right? Exchange some, I don't want to give away. I said, because I need to see what the process is and what the stipulations are. And the only way you do that is if you cooperate in some shape or form and you're entitled to that stuff. And she was like, That's, but I thought that you were doing, don't worry about it. And now I'm just saying this morning, you know, I got an email from this really, really, really busy attorney. And he's such, he's got, he's not very well known, but he's known in the Midwest for someone that breathes, sleeps, poops, inhales, exhales the constitution. And he's so busy, so beyond busy. And <laughs> he sent an email back saying, send me what you got. Let's, 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 oh my gosh. So I'm not going to send it to him now. I want to make sure it's like elevator pitch, you know, uh, concise, Man, man, I'm telling you, like I've been working on this before the elections, okay? Because I knew what was coming aside from everything. I'm telling you, this is going to be so much fun. Now, let's delve into this emoluments clause because I want you guys to understand it. Because then maybe you'll be able to see exactly what I'm doing if you, if you think about it. So here is a, a video that Tom Steyer made about illegal corruption of the Trumps, okay? Illegal corruption of the Trumps and emoluments. Man, I'm telling you, they did all the homework I needed for me. I didn't even need to plow through books. They were citing everything. All I had to do was Google search it. And all the arguments were right there. They were so convincing, even though I already knew the backstory. I already knew how they uh, had talked to the guy over in Russia with the FBI. Try to make it seem that because someone bought an apartment that was his property, <laughs> somehow Russia collusion. They tried. They tried. But, dude, when you're making laws, when you're dictating regulations and policies, and you're getting rich as an administration, that's what the emoluments clause is about. Tell me if you see a pattern. Ivanka Trump's clothing line got a boost when White House counselor Kellyanne Conway promoted it on Fox and Friends. It jumped 219% from the day before. Ivanka still gets paid a million and a half dollars from her privately held company, even while representing America in diplomatic meetings with other countries. Just as China's president, Xi Jinping, was meeting with the U.S., Ivanka's private company was receiving valuable trademarks from China. 
Meanwhile, Jared Kushner, Ivanka's husband, has taken profiting personally from the Trump presidency to a new level. The Kushner companies, his family business, received almost $500 million in loans from companies he met with at the White House, like Apollo Industries. The SEC dropped their inquiry into Apollo after the firm lent the Kushner companies the cash it needed. And officials in China, Israel, Mexico, and the Arab Emirates have all sought to manipulate Jared through his business arrangements, his financial woes, and his foreign policy inexperience. But it's not just Ivanka and Jared. Every president puts their business in blind trust, except Mr. Trump, who instead put his sons, Eric and Don Jr., in charge of the Trump Organization. They're not supposed to talk to their father about any business deals. How's that going? Well, Eric said, my father and I are very close. I talk to him a lot. We're pretty inseparable. Don Jr. helped form the government on Trump's transition team. He's given paid political speeches, and he often talks of loving politics more than business. Don Jr. and Eric have reportedly shown little interest in maintaining the appearance of separation of financial interests. Nepotism is kind of a fact of life, Eric Trump said from the top of the Trump Tower. It's impossible to ignore. Trump and his family are using the presidency for personal gain. They're selling out America. Such blatant corruption is illegal and impeachable. The founding fathers were very clear about this. The president has to work exclusively for the American people, not for personal profit, but they called an emolument. All right, let's rewind that a little bit. Let's just remember this. Remember this. The president has to work exclusively for the American people. For the American people, not for personal. Not for personal profit. Now, personal profit of the president could be his cabinet, could be his vice president, could be his, uh, yeah, just the whole administration. Whole administration. Profit, but they called an emolument. That's called an emolument. Wow. Could you imagine dictating policy that is globally implemented and you just rake it in, rake it in, rake it in? I'm just saying. To ensure this, the Constitution strictly forbids the president from taking emoluments. Just look at all the ways Mr. Trump has personally profited from being president. So Mar-a-Lago, he says, doubled its memberships due to 200,000 when Trump was elected. He could do whatever he wants for his dues. Man, I want to go there, but I don't have those dues. <laughs> Maybe there'll be a party that I'll go to. Who knows? Right? Right? But he, he upped the membership fees, of course, because it's costing the resort more money when he goes there. And, uh, you know, he could do whatever he wants. I mean, don't airports charge us $5 for water? Are we claiming anything on that? And how much will the U.S. government pay for two nights at the Hilton with security? Right? Think about it. One hotel stay at the Hilton in that area will be about $400, $500, so psh, it's about the same. It's the same. 
See, it's the same. But when you privatize things that you're making into policy, I want to know how they got that deal, first of all, before they pushed it. How did they get that deal? Bahrain booked a pricey reception space at Trump's Washington, D.C. hotel just weeks after the election. So because the state of Bahrain chose the Trump Hotel as opposed to the Marriott or the Hilton, and they chose his, that's foreign money. Stop. That's a stretch, super stretch. I may tap you guys on Telegram because just as I was looking at that, that's the thing that I was missing. May need a list of like four or five companies. I'll ask you guys if I need it. I'm going to have to revisit that. But today is, is my birthday, so I'm going to spend time with Phoebe when school's done, so I'm not even going to touch it today. So I'm going to be looking at it tomorrow. But I just scribbled it down on my notepad, hands, paper, pen, right? Just saying, like, this is going to be so awesome because I just thought, how did – dude, they did the – oh, my gosh. They would, this would totally tie in. Oh, dear. This would go back to, I'm like, this is train of thought. This is Tori train of thought right here. How did I forget that? Anyway, moving along. Because <laughs> now it's like you already knew and you're making, oh, man. Okay, and then they, they threw a party and apparently because another nation threw a party and they booked it like state representative diplomats, you know, and stuff like that, booked the party hall. Apparently, he's making money off of it, even though he doesn't own the company. Okay, check. From the moment Trump swore the oath of office to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution, he was violating the emoluments clauses of the Constitution. And Joe Biden and his administration before he took the oath of office, had already started and pre-planning to violate the emoluments clauses of the Constitution, Tom. Thanks. I just wrote that down. That was a pretty nice phrase. God, he felt so special doing that, right? Need to impeach.com. Well, impeach this. <laughs> okay, next emolument clause. Now, this guy goes into the whole legalities and stuff. He's a lefty, but he does he does an okay job, okay? So we're going to listen to him. He's, he does an okay job. Now, now that we're understanding what they're saying is the emoluments clause, I just want you guys to kick back and, and, and have a grin on your face, right? Super grin, okay? Super grin. Super grin on your face. Because you may have remembered, it was like a split second statement I made a couple weeks ago to hint to this, and I shouldn't have. That's why it's just keep it to yourself. Okay? It's going to be so much fun.
Hey guys, welcome to Hippius History. Studying the Constitution is always fun when really irrelevant parts become relevant. And with the election of Donald Trump going into the White House, we have a very dull part of the Constitution springing back to life, and that would be the emolument clause. Yeah, I had to watch the YouTube video to learn how to say it, so say it 10 times. Emolument clause, also known as the nobility clause. So in this lecture, we're going to take a look at what that clause says, and then we'll take a look at different examples through American history where it's been interpreted, and then we'll take a look at the Donald Trump situation. Then you'll leave your comments below because we live in America, land of the free and such. All right, guys, giddy up for learning. Let's get her done right now. All right, guys, why don't we go to the constitutional tape? We're looking at Article 1, Section 9, Clause 8. And here are the words. No title of nobility shall be granted by the United States. And no person holding any office of profit or trust under them shall, without consent of the Congress, accept any present emolument, office or title of any kind, whatever, from any king, prince, or foreign state. No person holding office of the United States. No person. And then they can't accept all of those things, any of those things. But of course, now you're asking, what does emolument mean? Hold on. Wait, did he say title? Let's go back. Isn't Michael Bloomberg a sir by the queen? I just thought I'd point that out. Right? Kind of sounds weird. Did he get approval from Congress to become knighted by the queen? Of the United States. No person. And then they can't accept all of those things, any of those things. But of course, now you're asking, what does emolument mean? So now we're going to go to the definitional tape. Emolument. A salary, fee, or profit from employment or office. So now you know the... So you mean abuse of office. You mean because you're in office, you're making money off of it. So that would be, let me, let me, let me, let me just do this. One, two, three, four. Four people off the top of my head are directly profiting because they are in office. Hmm. Words, and now hopefully you know what emolument means, and now we're ready to do a little bit of backdrop. So where exactly does this emolument clause come from? So we first should mention that it is actually Article 6 of the Articles of Confederation, U.S.'s first constitution. And this goes back, if you go into revolutionary America, there is a disdain, a distrust of royalty, of monarchs, of the system that is running the world. So there is definitely this idea that we don't want to be like Europe. We don't want to have our executives, our legislators being bribed with nobility titles or with payments like they do in Europe every day. So now, during the Articles of Confederation, there's also some incidences in France. We have Benjamin Franklin and Arthur Lee that were accepting gifts from King Louis XVI, including a portrait of King Louis encrusted with diamonds. But when they came back, they asked the Congress of the United States under the Articles if it was proper for them to accept those gifts, and Congress agreed. But it's going to go into the U.S. Constitution. And if we're looking at the base reason why, we're going to turn to the Federalist Papers, because that's what we do here in America. So if we look at Alexander Hamilton writing in Federalist 22, we can hear his words ring. One weak side of republics amongst the numerous advantages is that they afford too easy an inlet to foreign corruption. So we can see that the root purpose is to fend off foreign influence, that we do not want officers of the United States to be profiting from holding that office and then be susceptible to the wants and the wishes of foreign entities. Now, we don't have Supreme Court precedent, and that's part of the problem. 
Everything is unclear, and we're in the midst of our own interpretations right now. And chances are there is not going to be a court case because no one really has standing to bring it to the courts itself. The only way this would make it to some type of judicial interpretation would be if there were impeachment hearings. And of course, with the Republicans dominating both the House and the Senate, that seems a little far-fetched. So we have to look at kind of precedent of examples. And we have had government ethics lawyers write about this. And we've also had some clear-cut examples in the past. So we can go back first to George Washington. George Washington didn't care about this clause. In fact, he accepted the key to the Bastille, oh my goodness, from Lafayette. And he didn't go to Congress. He didn't ask for permission. But then if we go to Andrew Jackson, who received a gold medal from Simone Bolivar, how cool is that? You get a gold medal from the Latin American revolutionary. So Jackson was like, I better go to Congress, you know, the whole constitution. And Congress is like, you don't keep the gold medal, how about that? And then we have Martin Van Buren. Martin Van Buren was given a whole host of stuff from the Amman of Musat. I don't even know who that is, but the dude gave him like Arabian horses and rugs and all of these treasures. And Martin Van Buren ended up going to Congress. They ended up selling those materials and putting the money in the treasury. The most recent example is we have a memorandum from government ethic lawyers relating to Obama receiving the Nobel Peace Prize in 2009, where they basically said, look, this does apply to the president. But we cool with that so he can accept the prize and such. So the general precedent, not in courts, but rather by government lawyers and agencies, is that the president is applicable to the emolument clause. I think I'm going to bite my tongue off doing this lecture. All right, guys, why don't we look kind of at the Trump situation? We'll throw some ideas up at you, and then you're going to throw down your comments down below. These <laughs> So, of course, this clause has become relevant because President-elect Trump, if you're watching this video after January 20th, that would be President Trump, has assets around the world that cause these types of problems related to the profit his businesses will be making from foreign entities and sometimes foreign governments. He also has tremendous debt around the world. Um, it's estimated about $650 million in China alone. And he also has assets that foreign diplomats use in the United States, like his new hotel in Washington, D.C. So if we look at kind of the it really doesn't matter side, there is that side. They first would point to the idea that it's in Article 1. This is meant for the legislature, for Congress, not for the president. And also that we're taking it too literally. There's people that would argue that if he is not you know, using this in a bribery sense, like jacking up prices, if he's accepting a fair market value, then there really isn't a conflict that needs to be looked at. Okay. So see, this is key. Yeah. Are you jacking it up? Are you creating it so that way you get market dominance, right? That's what it is. Pay attention. Are you using your office and your clout and your seat as president as a Biden administration, are you using that to create the necessity for your product? That's the question. And so the question also delves into how is this already implemented prior to you in the office? Who created those contracts? who approve them, and now why is it implemented globally, and why are you creating regulations and laws to amplify your business? That's the question.
And then, of course, the argument that what are we going to do anyway? No one's going to go down the impeachment road. We're just going to have to take Donald Trump's word on this. And then, of course, there's people that are saying there's only one solution, that this is an obvious violation of the Constitution. And we don't want the president-elect putting his hand and swearing an oath to the Constitution as he simultaneously <laughs> goes against the Constitution. And that would be to put his assets, to put all of his businesses in a true blind trust. Now, he's giving a speech on this soon, so this video will be outdated, but he has basically said he's going to kind of divorce himself from his businesses and hand control over to his sons, who will never talk about his business interests and all that jazz with him, so he can just focus on the job. But many people are arguing that it should be a true blind trust, which would mean that President-elect Trump or President Trump would have to basically liquefy all of his assets. He'd have to sell everything, put that money into a true blind trust, which is run by an independent person that has no contact with Mr. Trump. And then Mr. Trump would divorce himself from any of these types of interferences with the emolument clause. I got to say emolument again. Say it with me. Emolument. All right, guys. So that's kind of where the situation stands. We certainly hope that you understand a little bit about the Constitution so you can figure it out for yourselves. So go ahead, leave it down below and make sure that you subscribe because it's the right thing to do. And I'm going to say it because I say it at the end of every lecture where attention goes, energy flows. We'll see you guys next time that you press the buttons. All right. So as we see and we know, uh, the left has done a lot of the work. In fact, the case that they filed against the president was pretty much my template. I only had to see the little things, you know, I was working on that. And obviously the emoluments clause, uh, the case was thrown out because he's no longer president, supposedly, right? It was chucked, right? It was chucked. So that was perfect because they didn't have to look at it. But now how do you get standing, right? That's a question. How do you get to, oh, we could only do it and be who said I'm, I'm a citizen, right? And my taxes, right, pay his salary. Everyone in his administration. And he's using his position, misuse of office. They are using their position, misuse of office, to profit. They are creating laws and regulations, implementing policies and procedures, and enriching themselves. And they have been doing it at a steady rate. Not only that, they have contracts with the Department of Homeland Security who, who approved that. Where was the due diligence on that? How can the Biden-Harris administration have private contracts with DHS? That's a question. That seems kind of like a big problem. <laughs> Surprised nobody else found it. Now, let's talk about other problems. Problems with data. But in order to understand where I'm going to take you with this today, we're just going to talk about uh, piezoelectricity and structure. Piezoelectricity. Piezo in Greek means pressure. I push onto. I push onto. <sighs> So I thought that today I can introduce you to something new. Something new that will be coming up soon as a new way. Well, that's if they allow that to move forward as a new way of um, 
memory storage. Memory, as you know, comes in hard drives, solid slate drives, you know, to get better access, more accuracy, right? But in fact, these are the structures that are required for high capacity storage. And one might think, you know, this is this is pretty bizarre. You see, it's nicely structured. Let's just look at it. Nicely structured, right? And a data can be stored on this like no other. And it's something that we have great abundance on, and it's cheap. I'm pretty sure a lot of you probably have it at your home somewhere, a quartz crystal somewhere, right? There's actually... Uh, storage devices that are being made as such. So I want to introduce you to a concept of how you can put pressure on a crystal and it'll generate electricity. Did you know that? But how's that possible? How do you have how do you have electricity if you put pressure on a crystal? Well, like I said, in my possession, I have very cool stuff, cool paperwork too, cool notes, cool a lot of things. And, you know, you're only given, in the age of information, ignorance is a choice. There's so much out there. But unfortunately, it's so scattered, so it's not sequestered because they want a dumb population. How do you control people if they have knowledge? You can't. Knowledge is power. I'm not going to give you that. When you press down on the trigger of a barbecue lighter, you'll notice it's quite hard work. Like, it's not like pressing the button on a remote control. You actually have to put some effort into it. And there's a reason for that. When you press down on the trigger, you're working against quite a stiff spring so that all that work you do is stored as potential energy in the compressed spring. And in front of that spring is a tiny hammer so that when the mechanism finally gives way and the spring is released, all that potential energy stored in the spring is turned into kinetic energy in the hammer. The hammer then strikes a special kind of crystal called a piezoelectric crystal. And when you hit one of these things, it generates a voltage across the crystal. This is the inside of a barbecue lighter. This is the mechanism that houses the spring and the hammer and the crystal. These two wires are coming off the crystal and they're drawing that voltage up to the top of the lighter here. There's still a gap between the two wires at the top here, but the voltage that you produce when you press down on the piezoelectric crystal is so high that electricity can actually jump across that gap, producing a spark. If you send a flammable gas up to the top as well, then the spark will ignite the gas. For a while now, I've wanted to understand how the piezoelectric effect works on the molecular level, and I finally do. And I've also built something to make it easy for anyone to understand how it works. So that's what this video is about. There's a few different types of piezoelectric crystal that you can buy, but I'm going to look at quartz in particular, which is the first piezoelectric crystal to ever be discovered. This is what a giant quartz crystal looks like. It's also a healing crystal, according to the website that I bought it from. It will align your chakras. I don't know if you take it orally or... If you were to take a slice of quartz away from this crystal and compress it, 
you'd be able to measure a voltage across the slice, but you'd have to slice it at just the right angle. Like the, I don't know if this is the right angle, but it'd be something like that. But it, and it's got to be just right. And to see why you've got to get the angle just right, we need to look at the lattice structure of quartz. So quartz is made of silicon dioxide, so silicon and oxygen. And this is what it looks like. At first, it looks like quite a complicated structure, but as you rotate the crystal, you find these symmetries like this one. And here's another. But there's one particular angle that I'm interested in, which is this one. Notice this hexagonal shape here. It's actually a spiral going into the screen, but for simplicity, we're going to think of it as a ring. So these three crunchy peanut butter lids represent silicon. So it's a hexagon that swirls, basically, right? Did you hear that? Okay. Silicon atoms. And these three smooth peanut butter lids represent oxygen. So when you compress a crystal of quartz, you're squishing these hexagons. But crucially, the bond between oxygen and silicon isn't quite even. Like, the oxygen is a bit more aggressive in the way it holds onto its electrons. So the oxygens are a little bit negatively charged and the silicons are a little bit positively charged. So think about where the average of all the positive charge is in this diagram. It's a bit like the center of mass, but it's the center of charge. So it's there in the middle between these three silicon atoms. But watch what happens when you compress the crystal. The two side silicons move outwards, but they don't move vertically. And the bottom silicon moves upwards. So the average position of these three positive charges moves upwards slightly. And similarly, think about the average position of the three negative charges. Look, the two side negative charges move outwards, but that top negative charge moves downwards. So the average of the three negative charges moves downwards. So when you compress a crystal of quartz in this exact orientation... Doesn't it remind you of the numerical pattern of 369? Doesn't it remind you of the star of David? Doesn't it remind you of the Saturn swirly, swirly? Doesn't it remind you of all these rotations? So funny, right? You're slightly shifting all the negative charges in one direction and all the positive charges in the other direction. Suppose you've got a square slice of quartz crystal. Let's represent all the positive charge as gold and all the negative charge as red. And in an uncompressed crystal, those negative charges and positive charges overlap exactly. And so you've got this neutral greenish color. Chartreuse. So, um, Basically, squeezing and stretching like distance, like time. Hmm. Interesting. You can squeeze and stretch crystals now. But when you compress the crystal, the negative charges shift in one direction and the positive charges shift in the other direction. In the bulk of the crystal, it's still neutral overall. But at the faces, you've got this buildup of positive and negative charge. If you then wire up these faces, well, the positively charged face will be trying to pull electrons towards it from inside the wire, and the negatively charged face will be repelling electrons. And if you bring the ends of those wires close enough together, the electricity will be able to jump the gap, producing a spark. So that's how quartz is piezoelectric. But in general, any crystal can be piezoelectric, so long as it fulfills a couple of criteria. The first one is that the lattice needs to contain some polar bonds. That just means that some of the atoms end up with a slight positive charge and some of the atoms end up with a slight negative charge, like silicon and oxygen in quartz. That's why diamond isn't piezoelectric. You can 
squeeze a diamond as much as you like, but all the carbon atoms inside are neutral, so there's no charge for you to move around. The second criteria is more subtle, is to do with symmetry. The crystal needs to have a certain type of symmetry, or more accurately, a lack of a certain type of symmetry. Take a look again at this hexagonal arrangement of atoms from the quartz crystal. Look at this silicon atom and then draw a line through the central point to the opposite side and see what's there. It's not another silicon atom, it's an oxygen atom. So there's something different on the opposite side when you go through the central point. That means it doesn't have point symmetry. To see why a lack of point symmetry is important, look at this arrangement of atoms that does have point symmetry. See how silicon atoms are opposite silicon atoms, oxygen atoms are opposite oxygen atoms. When you compress the crystal, you move the charges symmetrically, so the average position of those charges doesn't change. It stays in the middle. The piezoelectric effect has a lot of uses besides just a high-voltage power source, like in a barbecue lighter. It can also be used as a sensor. This is a piezoelectric disc. It's probably not quartz. It'll be something else. And if I press down on the disc, I can get a bit of a voltage across it. It's sensitive enough to be used as a pickup for sound, so I can actually use it as a microphone. It's not a great microphone, but it is a microphone. Interestingly, the piezoelectric effect is reversible. Actually, in a previous video, I mentioned how speakers can be used as microphones and microphones can be used as speakers. And it's true of this piezoelectric microphone. It can be used as a speaker. It's not a great speaker, but it is a speaker. When you apply a voltage across a piezoelectric crystal, it will deform. It's the opposite of the piezoelectric effect. My absolute favorite example. So as you noticed, specific crystals like quartz that are piezoelectric can not only be crystals to heal your chakras or generate electricity, but they can be microphones and speakers at the same time. Wait, what? So are you saying that a crystal can resonate electricity and other frequencies because light is you know energy is a is a frequency therefore your watch inside one of these watches there's a tiny crystal of quartz that vibrates exactly 32,768 times per second if you know your powers of two then that might sound familiar but why well this video is already getting too long, so my next video is going to be about the amazing mechanism inside a quartz watch. If you want to make sure you definitely see that video, then don't forget to subscribe. If you super want to make sure, then consider clicking the notification bell. This video is made possible by my patrons on Patreon and CuriosityStream, a subscription streaming service of over 2,000 documentaries and non-fiction titles, including some exclusive originals. You can get unlimited access to all of that for as little as $2.99 a month. And for you, find people... He's pretty cool, right? Well, let me let me just show you the future. This this has been known for a while. I can tell you that I've... Um, this has been known for a while. And if you Google it long enough, you'll be able to see it yourself. But um, here's a short clip just to show you where I'm going to take you in the next couple weeks so you can see it. ...in a cat's collar. Thing is, we're getting close to it. Meet 5D, as in the fifth dimension. Humanity's new way to store information in almost just as little space. The smaller and more robust our information storage devices get, the more likely they'll be able to outlive us. 
And isn't that exactly what we want? For the things we do and the things we say and create and feel to live beyond us? If everything were to remain as is, with our faulty hard drives and flimsy CDs, all the information we have today would degrade, and soon. But what if we thought of a new way to conceptualize information? What if information couldn't just be recorded in three-dimensional space, but what if computers could learn to read information based on the bending of light inside glass? Well, that makes literally no sense unless you're a researcher at the UK University of Southampton. These guys deserve all of the awards because of their... You know, if someone had like the DNC server or Hillary's email, this would be the best place to hide it. Sheer ability to conceive of an extra dimension of digital information. In 2013, they successfully created a glass disk that reads data in five dimensions of space. A glass disk that stores information so densely that it retains 3,000 times the information of a normal CD. Oh, and brownie points. According to the university, it'll last something like 13.8 billion years, which is the age of the known universe and three times the age of planet Earth itself, and sustain the blistering heat of 1,000 degrees Celsius. This Blu-ray disk holds 128 gigabytes of data. A glass disk of the same size holds 360 terabytes. That would take up a hard drive the size of my entire body. Here's how this scientific black magic works. Think of it like a normal CD. A normal, everyday household CD is just a bunch of lines in a circle. Each line has a bump, and each bump gets read by a laser as a one, a yes, a on. No bump means zero, no, off. These two dimensions, on and off, our binary code, the language of every computer ever at its most basic. These glass disks shatter those bumps and stack them into three layers to make a nanostructure only lasers can read. Creating these three dimensions of X, Y, and Z is what makes storing this mind-boggling amount of data even possible. And they call it nanograding, which I think sounds like a weapon in a Star Trek flick. They place nanoscale dots so precisely that they can sit in different orientations, making the light refract off of them in different directions entirely and at different polarized intensities. Some dots let in a ton of light, and other dots, not so much. With a special disc reader that is on its way to becoming a commercially viable product, these devices use a powerful microscope and a polarizer to read the data of bumps stacked up with different degrees letting light through or not. The tech is pretty much perfected at this point. And because glass is an incredibly tough material, it can not only encode anything digital, but survive most any damage that would completely warp any CD or hard drive that exists today, ever. Just to prove it, the researchers at the University of Southampton put copies of the Bible, Isaac Newton's optics, and the UN Declaration of Human Rights on discs already. For today though, the tech that makes these glass Superman crystals isn't cheap, which is what's stopping it from being in your home right now. Though it's always a challenge to get people to adopt new technological formats, this tech is already here. And as it matures, it'll get cheaper and easier for us to make. And that will ultimately make it the more attractive option for the future of information, for the future of us. And this is how they can't find information that you may be housing. I mean, it's, it's gotten so good that you can have a contact with 
the Library of Congre Congress just engraved on it. You can have a whole server in a little disk. Maybe it could be on your glasses. Just saying, who would know? That's technology today, supposedly. I could tell you it's been around since 1999. I mean, that's when I first saw it. And it's not that expensive. They're just not making it available to you, just like the internet was available 40 years <laughs> before you got it. So, you know, another thing about crystals and glass, as they call it, when it's a crystal, I mean, could you imagine going through the airport with a pendant? There's no technology that can read that. <laughs> so, you see, information can move and move and move, and none the wiser. And it can be anywhere. It can be turned into a computer screen, a bathroom cabinet, and you don't even have the tech to pick it up. Sounds like bad things can be moved around, but I think it's more sounds like bad people don't have control of where information sits. So on that note, I'm going to wish you guys a wonderful evening. It was a lot of fun. I'm going to take the day air quote off air quote. Um, I can't thank you enough for making my, my birthday so amazing. I went to my mailbox and I got a bunch of boxes and I've been snacking on some snacks someone sent me that had like beef jerky. And um, I made coffee from a coffee that I got in Montana. And it's just, it's just so amazing. You guys, honestly, I, I'd never expect something like this. I have been, since the day I found out that you guys were raising uh, GoFundMe for me to get a vehicle, which was a pain point. I mean, but you know, I was, I, I had faith. I was like, it would come. And I had faith in November when, when I was putting together this, um, this lawsuit and, you know, putting out the bullet points and saying, you know, maybe I can find someone that'll help me with the verbiage, someone that'll help me do this. And I just had faith that it would, that it would all, and, and now it's like, I'm just so overwhelmed. I don't even know what to say. I've, I've never experienced so much love. I, I don't even think I know how to respond to it. You know, as a person that I have friends, but friends that only know like my personal likes and wants never was able to, I'm, I'm a weird person. I like, I start people at a hundred percent. The minute I see a red flag, they're like cut off forever. It's like, I never look back. Um, and that's something that I learned at work. Um, you know, working with people, the minute you see a red flag that you can't trust them, it's kind of like being in the war zone, guys. If you see one guy, you know, that drops the ball once, you're never going to want to go out in the field again with them. So, um, I just, I just can't express to you how grateful I am for, for everything. I, I never expected something like this to happen in my lifetime. 
you know, and someone that's always lurking somewhere in the background. And I was forced into the light with that um, AG thing. I just, I'm overwhelmed. But I'm also very excited because the YouTube thing will file real quick. We'll have a judgment on that. Maybe it'll help other lawsuits too. Um, so that'll be first. And um, I'm, uh, I'm so grateful. I love all of you. I've had the best birthday just hanging out with you. And um, wow. I mean, I don't know what to say. And again, uh, I mean, I'm confused <laughs> emotionally right now because I, I don't know how to respond to things like this. Um, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, and remember, the, the, whole, the whole environment that we are in now Every community, every state, every nation is in a state of confusion. Because when you're confused, you can't make decisions. When you're confused, you don't know what to do. And when you're confused, you're stagnant. You don't move. You're kind of like, well, hold on a second. What do I do? And you kind of like look left and right and you're like, what's going on? We are in the land of confusion. And you can see it. They've been canceling things and you're like, where's this coming from? They've been pushing policies, and you're like, what the, what is going on here? Up is down, down is up. This is why I said it was very important to find your own still in this confusion. I told you that this summer. Find your still in the storm. doesn't mean you have to stand still. Find peace. Center yourself and trust your gut. When someone tells you who they are, believe them. God bless everyone. I must have dreamed a thousand dreams Haunted by a million screams But I can hear them marching feet They're moving into the street